Mark chapter 1, starting from verse 14. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little further, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat, preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. Let's pray. Our God, thank you for Mark chapter 1 and the words we just heard read. Now we pray as we look at this passage that you would give us insight and that you would transform us by the power of your spirit as we encounter Jesus together. We ask all this for your glory and for our good as we pray together in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. For those of you that I haven't yet met, my name is Bijan, the pastor for our church, and really glad to be gathered together today in worship. As Maddie mentioned, if you're new, if you're visiting, we're so glad to have you here. We'd love to help you get connected, so please find myself or Maddie or one of the folks in the blue shirts after church. We'd love to have a chance to welcome you and get to know you. For those of you who have been here for the past few weeks, you'll remember that we are in a series of sermons exploring our church's vision and values. We're taking nine weeks this autumn to ask the question, what makes Reality London tick? What are our values? What are the things that we're committed to as a church as we seek to make Jesus known in this city? And so we already talked about one of our values, bringing people to Jesus Christ. We're passionate about helping people encounter Jesus. We also talked about another one, belonging to each other in the church. What does it mean to be part of a church family? Today, we start talking about our third value, and it's this, following Jesus every day. That as a church, we take seriously the call to follow Jesus not one day a week, but every day a week in every part of our lives to follow Jesus every day. And so starting today for the next three Sundays, we're gonna be talking about following Jesus, what it means and how it impacts our life as a church family. Today, to introduce this part of our values, we're looking at Mark chapter one, and here's why. In the passage you just heard read, this is the first time that Jesus ever called somebody to follow him. This is the first time. And so as we look at this first time that Jesus said to somebody, follow me, we learn something about what it means to follow him in all times and at all places. And so our outline for today's sermon is this. We're going to see three things. First, that everyone follows something. Everybody's following something. Second, we're going to see what following Jesus means. And that's where we'll spend the bulk of our time today. And then third, why to follow Jesus? Why should we take him up on his offer to follow him? So everyone follows something, what following Jesus means, 
and why to follow Jesus. So first, everyone follows something. Now here in these verses, Jesus walks up to four people and he says, follow me. They are, by the way, in the middle of their jobs working when Jesus comes up to them and says, follow me. Now let's just for a minute imagine how radical that is. Imagine if today after service I walk over to Ozone, the nearby coffee shop, and I walk in and I come upon somebody having a meal and coffee and I say, hey, come, follow me. They would look at me like I'm beside myself and they would hope I would leave very quickly. And yet Jesus, literally as these folks are working, comes up to them and says, follow me. And what's even more stunning than the fact that Jesus made such an audacious claim is that they responded and they left everything to follow him. Now we'll talk about that in a second. But here's the first thing that I want us to see today as we're considering what it means to follow Jesus. Everybody is following something. It's radical that Jesus makes this statement, but it's not as though these men weren't following something already. They were. Every person is following something or someone, and the invitation of Jesus is to change your allegiance from whatever it is you are following to him. And that's the call that Jesus lays out for us today. So when we hear the word follow, you shouldn't think of it like putting an address into City Mapper and following directions to get to a destination. When we hear the word follow, what we really should think of is coming under the leadership of another person, of saying to another person, you are going to be my guide, you are going to be my mentor, you are going to be the one who shapes my life. To follow someone is to become their disciple, is to say, I am the student and you are the master. That's effectively what following Jesus or following someone like this means. And so what Jesus is saying is, be my disciple. Follow after me in a teacher-student kind of relationship. Let my life shape yours, is the invitation that Jesus is giving. And when you think about it like that, it becomes clearer that actually all of us, whether or not you identify as a Christian, whether or not you identify as someone with faith, all of us, all the time, are following something or someone. It's not an accident that Twitter and Instagram, the way we relate to other people on those mediums, is how? Who's following you? Or who are you following? It's all built on this idea that as a human being, we need people to follow. And we long to be followed by others. We long to make a difference and have an influence, and we want others to be shaped by us in the same ways that we know we need to be shaped by others. To be human is to be involved in the adoring pursuit of someone or something greater than yourself. And so all of us all the time are actually attaching our sense of identity and meaning to someone or something around us. There's been, just as an example, over the past couple of weeks, a slew of articles that have been published focusing on how young people's mental health has been dramatically and negatively impacted by social media. Because people follow others and they compare themselves to what they see on the screens and then they feel bad about who they are or how they look or the kinds of things they own. And so what's happening? You're following someone, you're looking to someone, 
and your self-image is shaped by whatever you're following. And that's not just true for young people, that's true for all of us. We're all shaped by the things we follow. We're all shaped by the things that disciple us. Tom Wright was the Bishop of Durham, and at one spot in one of his great books, he puts it this way. Humans are following creatures. And even when they don't consciously or even unconsciously worship or follow any kind of God, they are all involved in the adoring pursuit of something greater than themselves. Worship transforms us, all of us, all the time, since you become like whatever you worship or follow. And then he gives some examples. Those who worship money or power have their character formed by those strange powers. Little by little, the money worshiper sees and experiences the world in terms of financial opportunities and dangers, where the power-hungry person sees and experiences the world and other people in terms of chances to gain power or threats to their existing power. Those who consciously and deliberately choose not to worship, those gods still have a range of others to select from, and each of them will be character-forming in their own way. What's he saying? Not following is not an option. We're all involved in the adoring pursuit of something greater than ourselves. We can't help it. We are following and worshiping creatures. And so as we gather here today to worship and to consider Jesus' claim to follow me, the first thing we have to reckon with is that actually we're following something. And if it's not Jesus, what is it? This is an invitation to honest self-examination about the thing or the things that are most profoundly shaping you because something is. Everyone is following something. And that leads us now to where we'll spend the bulk of our time in today's sermon. What does following Jesus mean? What does it mean to take seriously the call when Jesus Christ says, follow me? And now let me make a couple of introductory points for this part of our sermon. I'm going to give you now, as we look at these verses, seven things that describe what I think a disciple of Jesus Christ is about. Seven things that stand out from this passage about what it means to follow Jesus. And you're looking at your clock and saying, seven things, that's a long sermon. Uh, he's tricking us with three points. This is like 15 points. No, I'll be very brief. This will be a survey. This will be a summary of what discipleship is about. And we'll come back to each of these points in future weeks. So today is meant to give you an introduction, an overview to what discipleship is. And in future weeks, we'll come back and we'll unpack these things in much greater detail. But here's why we're doing this. Today, we get to have a big picture of what following Jesus is about because this is one of the values of our church. This is one of the values of our community to be a church that takes seriously the invitation to follow Jesus every day. So seven aspects of what discipleship is. Here's the first one. The call to follow Jesus is a call to follow Jesus. You heard that right. The call to follow Jesus is a call to follow him. And you got to hear that. In olden times, when a rabbi was trying to have a disciple, a rabbi would never say, follow me. The rabbi would say, follow my teaching." or follow my example, or follow this school of thought. 
And Jesus comes along and with all the authority of heaven and earth says, follow me. The most important thing according to Christian discipleship, according to following Jesus, is a personal relationship with the one you're following. Jesus says not just learn my teaching or follow my example or live in a certain way. He's saying being with me is more important than anything that you do for me. Just being with Jesus is the very heart of Christian discipleship. He says, follow me. And friends, I want you to hear that because some of you, like me, are tempted by the idols of productivity. And we feel good about ourselves to the degree that we produce things. And Jesus does not come to these disciples and say, come, I need something from you. Or come to do things for me. He says, come and just be with me. Come and follow me. That's the first thing. What is discipleship about? It's being with Jesus Christ. It's following him. It's being in a personal, intimate, close relationship with the Lord Jesus. Second thing, the second aspect of discipleship that we see here is surrender. Yes, it's a call to follow Jesus, but the next word that we need to consider is the idea of surrender. When Jesus says to these men, follow me, he's asking for their whole life. He's asking that they hold nothing back. He's saying, I need to become the ultimate priority. Notice, they're fishing. That's their career. And Jesus says, I need to be more important than your career. You got to follow me. The other text says there in verses 19 and 20 that James and John were with their family. And he says, I need to become more important than even your family ties. I ask for everything. I ask for your whole life. Jesus is saying, you must surrender yourself to me. Now, it's not that they would never see their father again. It's not that they would never fish again. But Jesus is saying, I must be the priority. And so following Jesus, we're learning, is not comfortable and convenient. Jesus is not asking for part-time volunteer disciples. Jesus does not say, guys, I'll be leading a class on discipleship on Wednesday nights from 8 to 9 via Zoom. If you can squeeze that in, that would be great. He comes to them and he interrupts everything and he says, follow me. And the only proper response, according to Jesus, is that you get up and you follow him as he becomes more important than anything or anyone in all of our lives. He's asking for surrender. He's asking for the giving of your whole self to him. And you know what this means? Let me just get practical for a second. There are many of us who say, oh, I like Jesus. I love going to church is great. But there's this part of my life that's off limits to Christ. There's this part of my life that I don't want him to get involved with. I don't want him to interact with or interfere with. And Jesus says, that won't do. I want surrender. I want your whole life. I want every part of your life to be brought into relationship with me. So discipleship, following Jesus, whole life surrender. Third thing we see, Jesus says, and it's got to start, right now. It's got to start right now. I wish I could have been there that day on the Sea of Galilee. You know, Jesus is walking by, Simon and Andrew are fishing, later James and John, and Jesus says, follow me. And they look at each other like, what? Huh? 
And you can imagine them saying, okay, when? And Jesus is like, right now. And these guys are saying, but we're busy. We're literally mending our nets. We're literally fishing. And Jesus says, I can see that. Follow me right now. In other words, this is so important that there's no time to waste. This is so life-transforming that there's nothing more important than this. And here's why that matters. There are some people, and maybe some of you in this room, who say, I really look forward to following God one day. But right now I'm focused on my career. Or right now I'm focused on a relationship. Or right now I'm focused on just having fun and having a good time. I'll get to that stuff later. But if you hear the call of Jesus coming into your life, follow me, and you say, well, when? when's a good time? Can we book an appointment? Jesus says, no, right now, at this moment, this is the time to respond. And you see it in the verses. I'll just call your attention. When Simon and Andrew hear the call of Jesus, it says in verse 18, at once they left their nets and they followed him. Then in verse 20, without delay, Jesus calls and they respond. Right now, today is the day. This is the moment, Jesus says, to follow me. And nothing takes more precedence and priority. Fourth thing for discipleship, again, we're just doing a survey. We'll explore all these things more fully in future weeks. But the fourth thing we see about discipleship is the call to follow Jesus is the call to begin a journey. It's the call to begin a journey. When Jesus says, follow me, he doesn't say, and this is where we're going. That's the question I would ask, ever the pragmatist. Jesus, where are we going? What are we doing? I mean, I need to know what to bring, you know? And Jesus says, follow me. And you say, where are we going? And he says, wherever we go. That's not an answer. Yes, it is. We're going wherever we go. It's a journey. And the destination is not always clear. Jesus is inviting these people onto a journey of faith that will be in many ways frightening and scary because it's unknown to them. And that's what the journey of faith is always like. That's what it's always been like. So you go all the way back to the first time that God ever called a human being to follow him on a journey, the call of Abraham. And God says to Abraham way back in Genesis 12, I want you to get out of your country. I want you to leave your family and follow me. And we're told later that Abraham went not knowing where he was going. But he knew who he was going with. Later, as the people of Israel, the God, God's people in the Old, Old Testament, are freed from their slavery and they're now making their way through the wilderness, they don't have a map but they have a guide. The presence of God is with them in the wilderness, leading them day by day. And you can imagine seeing the people camped in the wilderness, and you say, where are you guys going? And they say, no idea. You say, well, well how, how are you not getting lost? Because we just stay as close as we can to the fire. The presence of God that's in our midst. That's how God symbolized his presence with the people. And he said, when the fire moves, you move. And when the fire stays put, you stay put. And so you say, we don't know where we're going, but we know our guide. And we're staying as close to him as we can. The call to follow Je Jesus is a call to a journey in which you don't always know where it's going to lead. But you know the one who's leading you. 
Now, some of you love that. You're like spontaneous, adventurous. You're like, this is awesome. I know what we're doing. This is great. Others of you, like me, don't like that. You want to know, what's the plan? Ask my wife. My favorite phrase is, what's our game plan? Like, what's the game plan for today? So the invitation to join Jesus on a journey is scary. And yet it's the only way. It's faith building and it's trust building as we grow closer to him as he leads us. And so, a journey. The next thing about discipleship that we learn is it's a call to community. It's a call to community. Now, we spent a lot of time talking about this over the past few weeks, but I would be remiss if I didn't at least mention it here. That when Jesus calls a person to follow him, he's calling you to follow him with others in a community. When he calls Simon, he also calls Andrew. When he calls James, he also calls John. To follow Jesus is to do so in a community. To say it differently, there's no such thing as, I like Jesus, but I don't like the church. That's not to say that you haven't been hurt by churches or that churches are perfect places. They're not. But in the Bible, to follow Jesus is to do so with others in a community. And I want to show you something in these verses. We see something about the form or the shape of that community. If you look again at verse 16, the language of that verse suggests that Simon and Andrew are fishing from the seashore. So they're standing at the edge of the lake and they're throwing their net into the water. James and John have a boat and they have hired men. They have people working with them as they go fish. Do you know what that means? Simon and Andrew are probably too poor to have a boat. And James and John have a lot of money, so they not only have a boat, but they have servants working with them. In other words, these two groups of disciples would have come from very different classes in ancient Israel. And Jesus says to both of them, follow me. And so in the community of people following Jesus, people who are deeply different come together to form a family. And part of the way we experience Jesus is by being in community with people who are deeply different from us. We've talked a lot about that, but we see it again here. Sixth thing, we're on number six, if you're taking notes. Mission, the call to discipleship or following Jesus is a call to mission. Notice what Jesus says, follow me, and I will make you fishers for people. That's an allusion to helping other people know Jesus. We never follow Jesus just so we get to enjoy him ourselves, just so we get to have a great time. But we follow Jesus so that other people might encounter him too. Discipleship is always a call to join Jesus as he is made known in the city. And the last thing, talk a lot more about this one in the weeks to come, but I want you to consider discipleship and vocation. Discipleship and vocation. It's very interesting, I hope you see it, that these men are fishing, and Jesus says to them, come, and I'm going to make you fish for people. I'm going to turn you into fishing for people kind of disciples. Now, that language of fishing for people never appears at any place in the Bible before this. If God wanted to, Jesus wanted to use an image that was present somewhere else in Scripture, he would have said, I'll make you shepherds, because that's all over the place. Or, I'll make you like kings, or I'll make you like priests. But he says, instead, I'm going to make you fish for people. Why did he do that? 
because these were fishermen. And it's as if Jesus is saying, you have training, you have expertise, you are part of a society, and this is how you interact with that society, and I can use that. And so we know that throughout the Gospels, these people will fish again, and Jesus will use their boats for his ministry. And so the call to discipleship is not a call to abandon the places or the things that Jesus has put you in. Some of you are in banking. Some of you are in the arts. Some of you are full-time parents. Some of you are in politics or want to be. And Jesus says, I can use that. The goal is not to take you out of your vocation, but to transform the way you operate in that vocation. To change how and to change why you do the work that you do. Not to remove you from the world, but to change how you interact in it. You're a fisherman? I can use that. Let's go fish for people. It's the transformation of our vocations for the glory of God that discipleship is about. Now, that's just a survey. All those things we're going to come back to in future weeks. But here now, as we wrap up today, is the question, why should you follow Jesus? As we've made clear, he is interested in your whole life. He is interested in total surrender. And a very reasonable question is, why on earth would I do that? Why on earth would I give myself to this man who says, come follow me? And here's the answer. Because Jesus always gives more than he asks for. Jesus always gives more than he asks for. He asks for your whole life, but he'll give you even more. We focus so far in our sermon on verses 16 through 20, but we began by reading verses 14 and 15. And I want to read those verses again, because until you see the call to discipleship as fitting in with what we see in verses 14 and 15, we won't really get it. So let me read those verses again, and then take a, just a minute to unpack them. It says this, after John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Then he goes and calls disciples. In other words, why do you respond to Jesus? Why should you give your life to him? Because he's the only one who brings God's good news to this world. And friends, that word news is so important. We've talked about it many times over the past few months, and we're going to talk about it again right now. Most religions in the world, most philosophies, the operating system of our souls is to look for advice. So advice tells you what you need to do to be a better person or to be made right with God. And most religions, that's how they operate. If you do these things, you'll have a right relationship with God. And then Jesus comes on the scene and he says, I come bringing news, not advice. News, what's news? News is about something that happened outside of you that changes the world for everyone. And Jesus comes bringing news, not about what you have to do, but about what God has done to save and rescue you. That's what the kingdom is about. Jesus comes bringing good news of what? Of the kingdom. And what's God's kingdom? It's the promise that one day everything sad is gonna come untrue. It's the promise that, yes, you can have your sin forgiven. You can be restored in a right relationship with God, but it's bigger than that. 
the world itself is going to be healed. All evil, all injustice, all forms of suffering will be taken away. Everything that makes our world such a hard place to be will be healed by the loving touch of the gracious king. And Jesus comes proclaiming good news, saying, I've come to accomplish this. And all that you need to do is recognize there's nothing you can do. And rest in me, trust in me, surrender to me. The news of God's kingdom coming through Jesus Christ. And there's no king like him. You see, for Jesus to proclaim the good news is to proclaim himself. Because there is no king like this king. And as you read through the gospels, as you read through the story of Mark, you see that. There is no king who's so selfless as Jesus. Who gives himself up in sacrifice for those that he loves. There's no king whose power matches his. That Jesus can say even to storms that are threatening your boat, be still. And the waves are calm. There is no king like this king who gives more than he asks for. And so the call to follow Jesus is a call to surrender to the king who's making everything sad come untrue and who begins doing that right now through the power of his spirit. This is why we follow Jesus. Because never has there been one like this who in love and sacrifice gives more than he himself asks for. And so in just a minute, we're going to pray, but we're going to come now to our time of response. And the invitation for each one of us today from Jesus is, come, follow me. And so as we respond to God now, consider what that means for you. What does it look like for you today to follow Jesus? Let's pray. Our God, thank you for teaching us through your word, but now we pray for transformation that as we spend time now in praise and in response and surrender, we ask that you would fulfill in us your word and help us to follow you. That we would be a church of disciples, of people following you in every part of our lives because you give more than you ask for. You've given us everything. You've given us your son. So God, thank you that we have this great love in Jesus. Help us to respond to it now as we pray in Jesus' name, amen.